most importantly, confidence. Yes. And if I feel confident, I'm more likely to do the hard things in my business. I know you and I are both very passionate about yep. selling, right? Selling, when you just feel confident, is an entirely different experience than when you don't. Yep. And habits, in my experience, is it's the straightest path toward more confidence in your business. Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the brilliant Dallas Travers. If you're a coach who serves everyday people, you need to know Dallas Travers. Her ripple effect system teaches the exact steps to attract paying clients, build your list daily, then scale your business with a course so you never again have to ask, what should I do today? Dallas began mentoring other coaches after successfully carving out a new cottage industry in entertainment, where she taught actors the entrepreneurial skills they need to acquire acting work without a talent agent. Coaches saw what Dallas created and asked, can you show me how to do that? And thus, the hive was born. Today, Dallas is on a mission to help purpose-driven coaches build value-centered businesses and question the commonly accepted practices inside the online world to make an authentic impact without compromise. Her clients have had a lot of firsts. First paying client, first five-figure launch, first five-figure day, first six-figure year, all with the confidence and clarity because they have a plan that feels good and the tools they need to implement. Dallas, my friend, what do small business owners need to focus on this week? Habits, Annie. Ooh, girl. This is so not sexy. Sorry, everybody, but habits. I am so glad that we're having this conversation now because I am very, very much willing to admit that in the past, when I heard that H word, I would have run for the hills. Yeah. Run for the hills. But now, as a 37-year-old who's been in self-employed for most of my adult life, I hear that word and it is sexy for me now. Yeah, right. Now. Yeah. Right? Because, but I, it took a while for me to fix my relationship with habits. I had to call it things like ritual. Oh, you got fancy. Yes. Ritual. I had to turn it into a ritual because, you know, I'm like woo and a weirdo. And so I was like, yeah, well, if I don't call it a habit. But, you know, listen, listeners, if you're a habit avoidant, it's okay. I was too. I'm sure Dallas has had habit avoidant times. But Dallas, how... Understanding that people are around this and that they're going to find their own path to not being resistant to habits. Why are habits so freaking important and worth fighting for? If I had a million reasons, if I had to pick the most important one, it would be confidence. Oh. Right? The online world overemphasizes and overvalues 
like speed. It almost feels like get rich quick schemes out yep. there, right? Yep. So it's this idea that if you hustle hard enough and try this magic funnel secret app proven process, you can have a seven-figure business in seven days. And that that has worked for somebody, right? But that is the exception. It's not the norm. And so as entrepreneurs, we often seek, we we often look outside of ourselves for some sort of magic pill because that's the philosophy we've been sold. So we tried magic pill one. It doesn't deliver on its promise. There's something wrong with me. I try magic mm-hmm. pill number two. It doesn't deliver on its promise. There's something wrong with me. A year goes by and suddenly I feel like maybe I'm not cut out for this. I've been at this for a year and I feel like I'm, I'm starting over all the time. It's because you are starting over all the time instead of folk doing fewer things and doing them more consistently. I mean, there's that other thing. If you would have said consistency to me in the past, mm-hmm. I would have been like, no. Variety, variety, no variety. Screw variety. Consistency, right? Because the nature of your day makes the nature of your week, makes the nature of your month. Mm-hmm. If you're allowing yourself to be repetitive, repetitive enough in order to get stuff done. And, and I very much used to be like a try something new every single day kind of yeah. thing. And there is a place for that experimentation. Absolutely. But when things work, we have to double down on the things that are working and and ritualize them, habitualize them, uh, prioritize them, or or it's a flash in the pan, right? So well, there's also another point to that, which I think is even more important. You said when things are working, we need to really go all in. When things aren't working in the beginning, it, it's not a sign <laughs> that it's not going to work. It's a sign that you haven't quite figured it out yet. I think oh often God, we give yes. up way too soon. Yes. Right? Well, and you already touched on this thing that is so important to me. And every time it comes up on the show, like choirs of angels, little cherubs, like <laughs> sing in my head, like, oh, mm-hmm. because this, it's so important to me that if you're listening to TLTQ, we honor the fact that entrepreneurship is flipping hard. Hard. Yes. Hard. It's hard, y'all. It's a job. And I love that you've already brought up the kind of get rich, get rich quick schemes <laughs> that are kind of all over in mm-hmm. this area in Facebook ads and whatever else. I made $2 while I was, you know, in my bathtub and whatever. Okay, cool. Fine. But but you're not talking about the work that went into that. You're just yeah. talking about that happening. And yeah, the moment the sale happened, right? Yes, the moment right. the sale happened and that that kind of myth of overnight success. Mm-hmm. And, and you like you said, those are the outliers. They happen, but mm-hmm. those are the outliers. But even the people that are the outliers were consistent in something. Like Justin Bieber is such a good example of YouTube hysteria gone right. well. And so like... Bieber birthed an influencer movement, but the reason why he was able to do that was because he was regularly putting out videos. Justin Bieber didn't put out one video and turn it into Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber showed up on YouTube consistently, right? right? right. And I'm also going to guess, and I'm, I apologize, I, I, I'm not a follower of Justin Bieber, but um, should we end the conversation now or am oh, I done? I'm not a huge Bieberite. <laughs> I just I just know that after Bieber came on the scene, every single boy in North mm-hmm. America 
thought that he could be a celebrity in five minutes or less. Right. Well, that's what I was going to say is I'm willing to bet that the first many videos Bieber put out were not that good. How could they be that good? He was like 11. Right. (laughs) He didn't know what he was doing. And when you run a business, especially an online business, everybody, your task is to learn things in public. Oh my God, Dallas, I could kiss you. And that's a big, scary job because we're literally figuring things out in front of people. And I can't think of anything that I've done the first time and just naturally and never gotten better at it. Right. There are things I like have natural tendencies toward, but there's nothing I've done for the first time and I nailed it. Mm -hmm. So we have to be imperfect in public, which is hard. It is hard because we fall down in public too. Yeah, completely. But I love that you're saying that we are constantly learning things in public because that's entirely true. Entrepreneurship is one learning curve after the next. Yeah, it's right. The it's stacked the on top of it mm-hmm. over and over, and so yeah, we we constantly have to be trying, experimenting, doing, polishing, finessing, doubling down, fixing, and all of that. Hopefully, if we're doing our visibility work, is not hidden from public view, which also means we got to own up to our mistakes when we make them. <laughs> if you if you're worried about making mistakes in public, commit to habits. You know. Mm-hmm. It's so funny because um, way back at the very beginning of this show, we talked about uh, my marketing advisor, Nick Bonatatibus, who I adore. Hi, Nick. And I uh, talked about Green Lantern. And we talked a little bit about Ryan Reynolds and how badly that movie was received. Uh-huh. And I think there's something in entrepreneurship where we're worried that if and when we make it, if and when we get to the level of a a Robbins, be a Mel or a Tony Robbins, right? Mm -hmm. When we get to the Robbins level that people are going to find, they're going to excavate, they're going to dig, they're going to find all of our embarrassing skeletons in our closet and dig them up and put them on YouTube and be like, oh my gosh, look at Annie P. Ruggles looking like an asshole. Oh, ha, 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 ha. I'm going to tell the National Enquirer. Like we think that people are going to try to embarrass us Mm -hmm. with our past failings. And one of the things that I love about Ryan Reynolds is he'll like, depending on the interview, when people bring up Green Lantern, he'll either tell you what he liked about it or he'll just groan and move on. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's value in both of those things where if we see something that maybe wasn't our best, do we treat ourselves with kindness in that moment? Yeah. Do we learn from it? Do we defend ourselves? What do we do? I Mm -hmm. think it's just speak the truth. Yeah. And I, and also, Remember that we are all doing our best with the resources and the knowledge that and the skills that we have in that moment. Ryan yeah. Reynolds didn't say to himself, you know what, let's make a bad movie. That'll oh, be fun. Yeah. I'm gonna go out and try to make a bad movie. Yeah. So meet our meet meet yourself with the same compassion that you meet your clients with, right? Oh my goodness. Meet yourself mm-hmm. with the same compassion that you meet your clients with. I think. Of all the people that I've ever known that are like bleeding heart, beautiful empath givers, I don't think any of us, me included, Mm. naturally give ourselves a small fraction of the compassion that we give to our clients. And But we're client zero and we're forcing (laughs) so much knowledge uh, out of us and so much strength out of us and not giving ourselves the compassion. So we're expecting less from our clients 
but treating them better. Mm-hmm. And we're expecting miracles of ourselves, but treating ourselves worse. That's wild, Dallas. <laughs> How does that happen? How do we fix that? I think it's just the human journey, right? It's one of the things that if I had to pick the biggest lesson I've learned becoming a mom, my daughter is almost seven, is every day I get reflected back to me, my capacity for love. And if I can love her the way that I do, I am capable of loving myself that same way. She shows me that. Oh, man. Right? And she really shows me that when she's having a rough day. Yeah. Right? Because I still love her the same, maybe even more. That's, I don't know that there's a fix to it. There's an understanding that what we're doing as business owners is growing every day. And when you're growing every day, there are moments where you realize the mistakes that you've made, right? And meeting ourselves with compassion as we grow. That's just, that's it. And I've been in business 20 years. So that, that is really what it is, what it means to be in business. Just committing to growing fat quickly or slowly, right? And choosing to relate to yourself in a self-honoring way. I love the way that you use that word capacity, though. She shows you your capacity. And I feel like my clients have taught me so much about who I am Mm -hmm. that and I'm not a parent, but I do understand what you're saying about like, I see myself reflected completely. And, And one of the things that I had to stop and do was I had to stop arguing those reflections when they came. Mm. And I would catch myself, someone would write me a note or something being like, Annie, you're so loving and kind and compassionate. And I'd go, no, stop, don't, it's all you. Deflect, deflect, talk down, talk down. But when I was doing that very Midwestern goofy thing I was doing, (laughs) um, because I thought I was being like proper or friendly or whatever, what I wasn't doing was I wasn't allowing myself to hear the compliment. You were also robbing that person of the experience of expressing gratitude. Yes! I say that all the time when I when people are hesitant about asking for referrals. Right, same. I tell them right? to chase the compliment because that person obviously wants to tell the world mm-hmm. that you're great. You're just asking mm-hmm. them to formalize that greatness. That's mm-hmm. it. And so one of the things I've talked about a whole bunch is I have a box where I keep printouts of my testimonials, my cards, and all these other things. And it says on the top, it has imposter syndrome crossed out. And then it says (laughs) evidence to the contrary. And it wasn't until I allowed myself to read the letters and the thank you notes and the testimonials and the notes or whatever in this box and not argue them that I was like, wow, I really am providing more than sales scripts here. I really am providing a community and experience. And and so when people come to me and they go, well, I'm selling this widget, I'm selling this thing, I always want to open it up and go, yeah, but you're also selling what you yourself contribute in that person's life, right? Mm -hmm. So how do we honor the value that we provide, Dallas? (laughs) That's a really good question. There's a double-edged sword here. I promise I'll answer your question, but what comes up for me around this is we have to be mindful that we don't set ourselves up for the opposite to be true. And here's what I mean. If my value is based on the number of client testimonials I get or the praise that I receive outside of myself, then when I receive complaints Mm. right, or trolls, Mm. that their opinion also has to be true. 
Right. If I wait the good, then I also have to wait the bad. Ooh, that's a really good point that I hadn't thought about. So we have to be so careful about what we make our clients' experience mean about our own worth. And yet the point that you make about like owning the results, right? And really standing in our own greatness is important. But I just like to think of them as two separate things, right? I can be proud of my progress or proud of the impact that my work has had on another, but that is not a reflection of who I am as a person. Oh, that's so open and yet so focused, right? It's Mm self-protecting, but it's also inclusive. I love, Mm -hmm. that feels very emotionally safe to me, right? To think of it that way. Right. And emotional safety plays such an ongoing part in day-to-day entrepreneurship and client relations <laughs> every single day, right? Yeah. Like we can't let the client force us out of emotional safety. That would be a failing on our part for not enforcing our boundary. Mm-hmm. But we also want clients to be self-advocators. We also want to create that like safe place for them to grow within, especially if we're selling some kind of transformation. But I love that. I love that idea of like, this does not define me. Mm-hmm. But I can it be is, proud of it. I can be right? proud of it, but it's not going on my tombstone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking about my dog, Subaru, who. Your dog's name is Subaru. <laughs> I have two dogs, Subaru and Kimchi. Oh my God, amazing. My daughter named them. So there you go. Great. <laughs> Great. So funny. Um, so, anyhow, Subaru loves to hunt. So he will bring gifts to our oh, door. Oh, what a gentle, <laughs> lovely. Right, 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 right. And so, like, that's annoying, right? The action is annoying. Subaru is not annoying. Subaru is like, Like, I will bring this dead mouse to my mistress. (laughs) Right. No, we're talking squirrels. Larger than mice. It's not cool. It's not cool. He's fast. I saw him. We're getting so off track, but I saw him catch a crow, a flying crow. The crow took off, and then I see Subaru. I'm looking out the back window flying through the air, and he caught a crow in his mouth. But that's quite a gift. Right. <laughs> but my point is that it's easy to look outside of ourselves and and understand this distinction. Like I can be, the thing I did may not be the greatest, right? But that doesn't mean I'm not the greatest, right? But in in our, inside of ourselves, it's trickier. So I actually hesitate when people, when I hesitate around the advice of like, own it, put your wins on the wall, because now we're just looking outside of ourselves for affirmation of our worth. And then it just sets us up for highs and lows. Yeah. Later. I, you're blowing mm. my mind right now. I hadn't really thought about that because I am a validation whore. Uh, like, uh-huh. oh, man, right. don't threaten me with validation. I will eat that up like cookie master. Nom, 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 mm-hmm. validate me all day. But I also know times where I'm not honoring my own opinion. I'm not weighting my own opinion. I'm not, you know what I mean? And so yeah, it's right. like, when I'm looking so externally, you're right. It does catch up to me. It doesn't feel fulfilling because mm-hmm. it feels not of me because it's not of me. It's literally external, yeah. right? So I yeah. I love the way that you're bringing it in of saying like, it's not we're saying ignore those things, push them away, take away the opportunity for people to say nice things about you, ignore, ignore, deny, deny. But we're also not saying like, 
hey, constantly be talking about all of your wins and your clients' wins and all of these other things. Mm -hmm. But it's saying like, those are a factor, right? So it it kind of, what's coming up for me now is it's almost like social media metrics. Like likes and clicks are important, but shares are better. (laughs) Comments are better. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. similarly, it's Mm -hmm. like testimonials and nice words and thank you notes are great. But me sleeping at night, soundly because I know that I'm a good person is better. Yeah. You know, this actually like brings the conversation full circle a little bit because we talked about habits. And I think the motivation behind magic pill syndrome, right? And ignoring habits is very similar to the motivation behind seeking external validation. I'm looking outside of myself for the thing that's been missing instead of really just like looking inwardly and trusting in our own actions. So what are the things that we should look for? What is, what are, what's the data that we should mine mm-hmm. for self-validation? I have a couple of thoughts around that. The first one is understanding your own values so that you can, A, you can use them as a tool for how you make decisions in your business, right? But B, that your values become a mirror. So did I live my values today? right? That's the validation. That's all I need. Did I live my values? And I don't mean the values you're supposed to have that tell you you're, uh, that, that tell you you're righteous or good. Right. I mean, the things that actually matter. We're not talking you. the beatitudes here. We're not saying blessed be the meek. Like <laughs> that's different. But like, if you value honesty, mm-hmm. that takes action. That takes work. Yeah. So are you putting in the hours? to yeah. bring that. And I love that. Um, yeah. Because I, I think the Non-CC Sales Academy, for me, was a desire of mine to wear my values on my sleeve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also to attract others who wear their values on their sleeve and say, that's a good thing. Right? There are so many things in this life that require you to hide your heart. And self-employment mm-hmm. does not need to be one of them. <laughs> right? That's for a lot right. of reason why they make the jump, right? They make the jump so they can uh-huh. live more themselves. But we, we're so used to being stifled in that way that we're like, well, mm-hmm. my old past employer didn't care about social justice. And so I really let that part of me sort of atrophy. Well, guess what? You're on your own now. Bring it back up. Yeah. If it's important to you, yeah. it has meaning. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think the other metric, right? is your own energy, mm-hmm. right? Like how am I, how do yes. I feel? Embodiment or attunement. Yes. I love that. I love that idea of attunement. We hear mm-hmm. a lot about alignment and I love the idea of alignment, but attunement for me, because like, does every single action in my business feel aligned to me? No, because I'm wearing 9,000 different hats. Right. But does anything that I do in my day-to-day feel like it's out of tune? with me? No. Right. Absolutely not. Yeah. And just attunement is really, to me, more of an awareness, an ongoing awareness Mm. of my own alignment, right? It's how I monitor alignment. Yeah. Freaking love that. We're getting so philosophical about habits. I love it. You know what? But like, (laughs) I'm glad. I'm glad because like I said at the beginning of the episode, I was very habit hesitant Mm -hmm. or straight up a habit hater. And Mm -hmm. I hope that anybody listening, this philosophy will fill in the gaps of showing you that there's very interesting stuff waiting for you on the other side of habits. And 
most importantly, confidence. Yes. And if I feel confident, I'm more likely to do the hard things in my business. I know you and I are both very passionate about yep. selling, right? Selling, when you just feel confident, is an entirely different experience than when you don't. Yep. And habits, in my experience, is it's the straightest path toward more confidence in your business. Well, and the word I'd use for it <laughs> here on Too Legitimate to Quit mm-hmm. is legitimacy. Right. Habits carve a legitimate business. Yeah, that's good. It's not done in a day, right? If you want to feel legit, do it and then do it and then do it and then do it again. Like I yeah, I just think that's so fantastic. Now, on this idea of incremental progress, mm-hmm. I have also brought you here today to talk about Pelotons. <laughs> Dallas, what the heck does any of this philosophy have to do with spinning in my living room? Yeah. So I feel like for a lot of us, and I imagine a lot of your listeners, we are... We're a one-person show, and or maybe we have a VA yeah. who works for part-time. Yeah. We're right? like a 1.25 show. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. And so there's just a lot to be done. And the truth is, there's all, for me, there's always more to be done in a day. Like my list, my to-do list for the day is often longer than is reasonable. Oh, yeah. So I've just like become accustomed to that, right? And yet, because there are so many things to do in a day, it's a permission slip to ignore the important stuff. So I've had a Peloton. I was kind of an early adopter of Peloton, and I have a Peloton bike in my office. So Annie, I know you and I are on video. So you see me in my little workspace on the other side of this wall is an identical size space, and that's where my bike is. I have to look at that damn thing every morning. (laughs) I have to walk right past it every morning as I make my way to my desk. So every morning I am reminded of my commitment to reducing stress, right? Feeling good in my body, uh, feeling strong, like all of the, all of the reasons why I bought the bike. Mm -hmm. I definitely go through phases where I am not on the bike. I'm I'm not on the bike way more often than I am on the bike, but that reminder lives there. Mm -hmm. And every day I have to make a choice about how I'm going to spend my time. So what's the metaphor here, especially around habits? For those of us who feel overwhelmed or we fall into procrastination, maybe we hide behind, I call it administrivia, mm-hmm. right? Busy work. I love taking the Peloton approach to time management. And all I mean by that is having a reminder in your face about your original intention. Yeah, you got to walk right by the damn thing. I know, it just taunts me. And it's the worst is when I like I'll I'll do some batch video shooting so then my bike becomes a clothes rack so then I'm like, "Oh, this is fabulous." Like, well, I'm using this thing yes. to hang my clothes. <laughs> but I'd love to share if you're open to it, a couple of tips on how to like how to apply this metaphor in your oh, business. Oh, heck yes, please. Cool. So imagine now your calendar being the bike in this metaphor. So what I recommend is that we work backward from our goals, right? So I I have a goal of enrolling four clients this month. I'm just going to make that up as an example, right? 
with that goal in mind, what assets do I need in my hands in order to make that possible? So leads, right? Subscribers on my list. I need sales calls. Those are the assets. So now what actions am I going to take in order to acquire these assets so that I can accomplish my goal? Mm. So now I've got this list of actions and it's very goal directed instead of here's the list of all the stuff I'm supposed to do for my business. And with that action list in mind, what we then go in and do is on your calendar, mine is gray. I have an ideal calendar that lives behind my actual calendar. So I, yeah, I block off time, right? I used to have a ton of resistance around Instagram reels. I've fallen in love with reels, but in the beginning, I had so much resistance around it. And it was an important part of our Instagram strategy. So I had a big block of time on my calendar in gray, Instagram reels, right? And every day, just like the Peloton walking past the damn thing, right? Every day I was like, okay, do I want to keep this commitment or not? So now we get a realistic reflection because then my real calendar is on top of this ideal calendar, Mm -hmm. right? And I now get to really look at where am I overcommitting? Where am I actually avoiding the stuff that really matters? Where am I being busy? Where is it really time to delegate? And it's proof in front of me instead of sort of like a sense I have in my mind. So we use the ideal calendar as a reminder of our intention. And we've also got that action list so that when I see that big block of time, right, that says four clients this month, I know what I'm doing during that time. So it's pressure without the judgment. Yeah. It's just, it's like creating a mirror, right? I love that. I, I absolutely love that. I need to fall in love with reels. I have not yet. But I hadn't ever really thought about putting them on my dang calendar. And this is also liberating. Yeah. Right? And here's why it's liberating. Because what can often happen is this complete it or delete it moment. Oh, boy. Right? Which is which is like, okay, hmm, this has been here for a really long time and I haven't gotten to it. That means it doesn't matter to me. This is actually not a habit I want to cultivate. I've got proof of that. Now I have permission to stop lying to myself. Let me fill in, get good at Instagram reels with something I actually feel naturally inclined to pursue. So instead of that like guilt factor, you said you were going to do this and you're not, it's just a reality check that brings you back to your own agency or your own awareness of choice which for many of us is why we started our businesses so that we could have more choices. Yes, yes. It is about choice. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Right? But it, it's yeah. all of this is about discernment. Everything that you've said about like mm-hmm. doubling down on what's working and fixing what's not and tying inspired action to those assets you were talking about, right? Like mm-hmm. that's how we ensure that we're using our time efficiently is when we tie it to those assets. And that gives us the space to have more choices, right? Yeah. To make more choices, yep. to have more experiences, things, whatever hmm. the object is. But it's through that creation of space. And so what do you say to people out there who 
look at something like the Peloton and they're like, well, Peloton puts out like 50,000 new workouts a week. I will never finish them all. Like you said about your to-do list. What do you say to those people who look at the never ending library of Peloton as Mm -hmm. overwhelm and not as options? Yeah. So it's not the, all of the the never ending classes that we're looking at here. It's the physical bike, Mm -hmm. right? It's the, it's, so the bike represents my intention Mm -hmm. toward a goal and how I get there, that's my choice, right? right? My husband never, he just hops on the bike. He doesn't do, do classes. He's just on the bike doing his own thing. Yeah. Right. So I guess I want to say this, another choice, a valid choice is not doing it. Yeah. That is a choice. That is a choice. That is a choice. No action is an action. Yeah. And I would argue that often overwhelm is also a choice. Ooh. Because if I if I'm overwhelmed, this is a little controversial and I would say that Bring it. This is not true 100% of the time. There are periods where life circumstances can initiate overwhelm. But if we're overwhelmed by our to-do list, this thing we created, that's completely a choice. And when I choose overwhelm, I'm off the hook. Oh my God. You're right. You're right. We use it as a crutch to go, I can't, I'm overwhelmed. You put the stuff on your list, boo. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Dallas, that is wild. I'm like you. My to-do list has puppies. Like it spawns like (laughs) rabbits. I uh-huh. I think for me, when I look at like, I can't possibly get all of this done today. I think of it like the early 2000s when cell phone companies had rollover minutes. I just call those my rollover to-dos. Yeah. Like that's tomorrow me's to-do now, rollover to-dos. But I do notice when something rolls over day after day after day after day, is it rolling over day after day after day after day because it's not right for me? Because I'm resisting it, mm-hmm. because I shouldn't do it, or because I got some other mental bullshit going on. That is where I really should be looking. You're so freaking brilliant, yeah. Dallas. So it's a mirror, right? It's the it's the bike in the living yeah. room. That rollover to do list. It's a bike in the living yeah. room, and we can relate to it simply as that. It's just a mirror, right? It doesn't mean you're good or bad. It's just an invitation to decide: Does this actually matter to me? Yeah. Is this a habit? that I actually want to cultivate. And I love that you brought up your husband. Thank you so much for sharing his habits with us because one of the things that we see in this cult of easy that we already talked about with like the make a million dollars by next Tuesday is that a lot of it is one size fits all. Mm -hmm. But even something as simple as a Peloton bike, which is a stationary Mm -hmm. bicycle, Mm -hmm. you have your own methods, your own habits, your own rituals, your own style. And so does your husband. So some people can write a book in a weekend. Other people can write a book in six years. Yeah. Yeah. Some people write their thousand words a day. Some people write one word a day. It doesn't matter. The methodology is your own. What matters is not complicating the intention. And the intention is that bike Mm -hmm. sitting there and the promise you made to yourself that you will use it. I love it. Or not. Or not. Or not. It's not even, I I don't want to get too meta, but it's not even, like the bike represents my commitment to my own health. Yes. Right? Like I didn't ride the bike yesterday. I took my dogs on a hike. Yep. Right. So it's not even like, oh, I said I would use this thing. It's like, oh, no, right. I'm reminded of what it is that I want to experience in my life. And a, the Peloton is one way to get there. Gosh, I love that. Yeah. It's just such a good metaphor. It also just really makes me want to work out. So thanks for that, Dallas. 
that's, you know, people be like, what are you doing today for work? I'll be like, I'm working out for work. And you're like, yeah, I'm Peloton method. H- haven't you heard? I did see, <laughs> I got to look up her name and I'll put it in the show notes because I'm drawing a blank. But I did see this really great affirmation once that I freaking loved. It said, when I move my body, money moves to me. Ooh, I need that Isn't one. That That's a good, good? one. I, I was boxing mm-hmm. my ass off for the next two weeks going, money, money, mm-hmm. money, money, money. And it's true because right? I was prioritizing myself in those moments. So of course I came mm-hmm. out of them empowered, turn around, make better choices. Is there woo yeah. elements to this? Maybe. Is there manifestation happening? Sure. I can't explain it, but what mm-hmm. I can explain is that self-prioritization. I freaking love that. Yeah. All right. That's really good. So my question for you right now, we talk a lot on this show about sand in the laptop and how, and I think on your show, I talked about sand in the laptop and how much that drives me freaking crazy. (laughs) But I know one of the things about Peloton is like, bike the Rockies, bike the Alps, do all this crazy, gorgeous world stuff. So with that in mind, if you were going to real world, bike to anywhere in the world so that you could work with your laptop somewhere for one day, assuming that the whole world has Wi-Fi Okay, in this fantasy world. Where are you biking to and where are you working that day? See, that that's a tricky question because the, play, the first thought I had, I wouldn't want to be working while I was there. Thank you. Right. Like, why am I bringing my laptop to the Thank beach? You. That's so on a recent episode, Pam Slim, the author of Escape from Cubicle Nation, and I were like, if I'm on a beach, yeah, I want a book, a tequila drink, or nothing. I don't want my laptop. But yeah. let's say you really had to yeah. work. You had to work. Where are you going? Yeah, I would ride my bike to like a tiny, a tiny house. A cute ass little tiny, like tiny house in a frame out in the wilderness somewhere. Ooh. Yeah. Which is not, which is the opposite of where I would choose to actually go on vacation, but I would get a lot done in that environment. Yeah, like the writer's retreat. Yeah, totally. Oh, I love yeah. that idea. Well, be careful biking yeah. in the woods. It's very uneven yes. road. So, you yeah. know, wear your helmet. Yeah. Yeah. And stranger danger. I got to be careful of that. I'm a real, I love true crime. So I'm like, oh, woman alone in the woods. This is not going. We, we all know how this Right, you're like, ends. this is the beginning of an SVU episode. Mm, like, this is a podcast waiting to happen. But this is a very different kind of podcast. I love that. I, yeah. same thing. Well, I'll be driving along, like my parents live in Missouri and I live in Chicago and I'll be driving along these like country roads to get home. And I'll be like, God, I'd love to live out here in the middle of nowhere until I get murdered. Like, I, I don't know why I think that. And then everybody comes and they're like, Annie, you live in Chicago. Why are you scared about getting shot? And I'm like, no, like, no. I'd be more scared no. like in cold blood style if I lived in a freaking field in the middle of nowhere. Wow, we are off so the rails. Funny. Listeners? Yeah, we're so off the rails right now. I'm going to. It's okay. It's totally fine. I'm not. I'm going to not say the thing I was about to say to take oh, this conversation even further. Come on, okay, I we're already here. So I'm listening to Dateline. There's this new... We did like, a whole episode about Dateline yeah. on this show. And and the, here's the thought I had. I was like, you know, everyone hires Morgan Freeman to play God. Like it's either Morgan Freeman yeah. or James Earl Jones. Nope. Two excellent choices nope. for, the, for the voice of God. But I want Keith Morrison okay. to be the voice of God. Full circle. <laughs> Everybody go back and listen to the TLTQ episode specifically about Dateline where Margie Feldhoon, who is the CEO of Interview Connections and I, 
relate your media kit to your in case I die folder. And both of us say that should anything happen, we love you, Mankowitz. We love you, Canning. But if something happens to us, it's Morrison or bust, baby. Yep. Morrison (laughs) or bust. (laughs) If he, if something happens to me and he does not say that I light up a room with my smile, I will be devastated from the afterlife. Yeah. That's just true. Oh my my God, I love it. Morrison quote ever was, he lied to authorities, lied like a sidewalk. (laughs) God, I love him. He's too good. All right. Well, you know, everybody's On unofficial note, homework for this episode. <laughs> everybody's no, everybody's unofficial episode homework is going to be work out to an episode of Dateline. Love it. That's that's Great. perfect. Love but <laughs> uh, Dallas, when people fall madly in love with you, as I have in our chats together, what's the best way for them to come into your world and start a conversation with you? Yeah. Thank you for asking. You know, this Peloton approach to your calendar, I actually have a training I designed around it. It's called Schedule Domination. Woo! So if, if this conversation sparked something for any of your listeners, listeners, that's the first place I would go. The URL for that is scheduledomination.com. That's and easy. And if you have questions about the training or you just want to talk about Dateline, um, follow me on Instagram. That's a best place to find me directly. I freaking love it. Do you know Margie? I got to get you hooked into Margie. Yeah, I don't. You have to connect us. Oh, it's a TLTQ love connection. Dallas, (laughs) it has been so freaking wonderful sitting down with you today and getting to pick your magnificent brain. Thank you so much for bringing these unsexy topics like habits and consistency and and making them so philosophical and beautiful. It's really been a delight. Thanks for having me. I had a fun time. Good. Everybody else, I will be back in just a second with my final thoughts and your homework for the week. No Peloton required. Well, hey there, listeners. I try not to should all over you. I really do. And I'll be the first to tell you that a one-size-fits-all path to entrepreneurship does not exist. Plus, there's real value, genius even, in letting go and following your energy, in doing things your way, in allowing creativity to lead. But here's the kicker. I was being dead serious before about my own unwillingness to commit to habits. I found consistency wildly boring, even a little beneath me. Repetitive admin tasks, I think? Oh no, not me. That's for the day job cubicle set, not my special brain. Well, I needed to pull that special brain right out of my own special ass because yeah, I have a good brain. It works well, but it needs structure to thrive. So maybe I struggle to be creative on demand if I've been working on my accounting all day. That is true. But as flexible and me-centric as my life is, I simply can't always do whatever the heck I want, regardless of what my business truly needs. Because that's just it. I am running a business. I'm carving a legacy. I'm fueling my livelihood. I'm delivering on the promises I made to my clients. 
And that is going to require me to do unglamorous things over and over and over and over and over and over, laying the foundation for all the fancy stuff on top. Only when I embraced this did my business begin to feel more like a dream than a nightmare. So your homework this week is to make yourself a promise to do the same thing every single business day for the next week. I'm not going to be so bossy or presumptuous as to tell you what that thing should be because you know what you've been neglecting, what always gets shuffled into your rollover to-dos or what you do once and then let yourself off the hook of ever doing it again, at least for several months. Maybe it is write a thousand words or post on Instagram or check in with your accountability buddy. Maybe it's check your bank account. Maybe it's walk away from your desk and actually eat lunch. Maybe it's call it quits at the same predictable time every day. And when you do that thing, whatever it is every day, please don't beat yourself up about the past. When great results come in, don't stop and lament the fact that you've been inconsistent and could have gotten the results earlier. Or if things get rough and rocky, don't blame yourself for needing to wade through that muck. Instead, give yourself credit and honor where you are. If this is going to be a habit now, it may as well be a confidence-building one. Hey, thanks for listening. Too Legitimate to Quit is brought to you by the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy and me, your host, Annie P. Ruggles. Listen, we talk a lot about marketing on this show, and that's because I fully, earnestly believe that every dime and every moment we spend marketing is totally worth it unless we turn around and sabotage ourselves at the finish by refusing to sell and sell beautifully. Why? A lot of us have a misconception of what selling actually requires of us or who it needs us to be. Please give me the opportunity to help change your mind at www.nonsleazy.com. That's N-O-N-S-L-E-A-Z-Y.com. Big shout out to the fabulous dudes who help make this show what it is. My producer and editor, Andrew Sims of Hypable Impact. My composer, Riley Horbastio. And my show artist, Francois Vigneault. They're all fabulous and I'd be glad to introduce you. Until next week, just do your best. And remember, you're too legitimate to quit.